my most ambitious movie ever. And we want you to star in it. I'll make you so proud of me. I'll be putty in your hands. To Alfie and Tippy. To Alfie and Alfie. And to the girl. Axel. not cold are you she knew he's trembling yeah i mean it's i don't know it was it's interesting it was just it was a fucking tv movie yeah say. and it well we'll get into it we'll get into it i've i've thought i've thought yeah as is well known i have no sense of humor whatsoever welcome to the movie ladder podcast where we are all about cinematic connections each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast my name is zach brooks and i'm joined by brendan fitzpatrick and last week we talked about Alfred Hitchcock's Marnie, and due to a movie about the making of Marnie connection, we'll be talking about the 2012 HBO film The Girl. So we'll be talking in full detail about that movie, and then at the end of this episode, we will decide on next week's movie based on connections sent in from you, our listeners that we are super obsessed with, but not in a creepy way, and us, your hosts, that are uh, you know not creepy whatsoever. Yeah, we're no Alfred Hitchcock, that's for sure. So no, I mean... No. We're no Toby Jones here on the <laughs> Movie Ladder Podcast. Who is, who is a Toby Jones? Who yeah. among us? Who is? <laughs> uh, so, uh, of course, we will be spoiling the girl. I don't think there's really much to spoil. Uh, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, Alfred Hitchcock allegedly was creepy towards Tippi Hedren. Yeah. And uh, we got a we got a lot of research on that later, uh, you know, through through some stuff I dug up with interviews and oh, we'll, good, we'll get into I all no research. I have, yeah. I have no research, so I'm glad you have some. Yeah. Uh, of course, so that's, my, that's my job. If you're very worried about spoilers for the girl, um, you can pause this podcast. You can go stream the girl. It is streaming for free on HBO. I think only if you're in the United States, though, because uh, ironically, Olin, who suggested this movie, he <laughs> lives abroad. He's in Ireland and he was unable to watch the movie himself on HBO. Apparently, HBO Ireland does not have it. There once yeah. was a man from Ireland who could not watch this movie. That's yes. not a limerick. That is, that's not a limerick. It's that just the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but if you do want to skip ahead, we'll put the timestamp, as usual, in the description for this podcast. I'm sure we have lots of new first-time listeners for our podcast about the girl. So, uh, if you're a first-time listener, what we do is we'll put the timestamp in the description for the podcast. Um, I would be curious if anyone saw this movie first and then went and watched The Birds or Marnie after seeing this. I would be curious if anybody saw this movie before we podcasted about it. Oh, good point. Um, I have, uh, no, the only people I know who have watched this movie on Letterboxd are you and Mm -hmm. Molly, and Mm -hmm. uh, that's it, and me. So uh, there are people who have have watched it. 2.8 thousand people have watched this movie, according to Letterboxd, which seems very low. Well, it came out in a very prestigious Golden Globes and uh, Emmys year of 2012. The the big Emmy winner that year was uh, Game Changer, the uh, John McCain, Sarah Palin HBO mm-hmm. movie. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but as usual, if this is your first time listening, uh, join us every week. We talk about a different movie. Basically, the way I describe this to my friends is I say we're like a movie book club where, uh, you know, some people. People join book clubs. This is a movie club where every week we do a different movie. You have a reason to watch it, and then we talk about it, take feedback and suggestions Absolutely. for next week. Um, and uh, so make sure you're subscribed on any podcatcher of your choosing, and uh, make sure you send in your feedback to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter. Follow us on Letterboxd. We're also at Ladder Movie on there. 
And you can email us at themovieladder at gmail.com and send your emails to Brendan. And uh, Brendan, the master of the email. Absolutely. I, I don't see those. So, all right. Um, well, before we get into the girl, Brendan, what was the best thing you watched this week? Yeah, so I watched a movie. I only watched one movie this week. Uh, as anyone who is um, from the U.S. or following U.S. news goes, the last week or so has been a little much around here. So I wasn't really watching much except for cable news the last week or so until I sat down to watch a movie last night uh, after Jeopardy. I watched the Netflix original movie, Anola Holmes, starring Millie Bobby oh. Brown and mm-hmm. Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. I really enjoyed this movie, Zach. Um, it was really fun. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown does a really good job. It's really well written and directed, I thought. Um, it's shot in a really fun way. It's definitely like not really a movie for adults. It's definitely a movie for like young kids and teens. Like it's got it's got a well, Millie really Bobby good, Brown. That makes sense yeah, with it's with got a really good y- YA vibe, a young adult vibe. Um, it's really fun. It's actually written and directed by the same people who did Fleabag. Uh, uh, yes, so yeah, uh, Harry Bradbury, which I, and, uh, write, written by Jack Thorne. Um, they, they're responsible for Fleabag. It's shot in a similar way with Fleabag as Fleabag. So there's a lot of, uh, fourth wall breaking and narration from Millie Bobby Brown as, uh, Anola Holmes. I really enjoyed it. It's also got like a really interesting performance from the Helena Bonham Carter as, uh, Sherlock and uh, Anola Holmes' mother. Um, yeah, it was just a really fun, you know, two-hour two hour romp. Um, you know, could you have connected that off of Marnie? It seems like uh, there could be some connections between that movie and... No, not really. I mean, because there's not really a... Um, she's, she's, she's a detective, not a thief, so... Oh, okay. So she's yeah. not, like, connected to uh, to Sherlock Holmes, really. Well, she's her sister. He's her sister. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's his sister. Yeah, I guess I was thinking, like, is it about, like, the person who wrote Sherlock Holmes? But no, it's just, like, an expert. No, it's not. Yeah, okay. not at all. So, yeah, it's it was really fun. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, a solid three and a half stars, a good time. Um, it's definitely in my top ten for 2020, but that's because there's not a lot good in my top ten for 2020. Uh, my top ten is a but, top nine for 2020. Yeah. So, but it's, yeah. um yeah, if people, want, if people want to seek it out, it's very low stakes. I think people would really enjoy watching it if they haven't already um low stakes yeah. in 2020 that's wow. all i got and, and sometimes you need a little fluff you know and yeah, this was very fluffy very fluffy. um and of course who doesn't love staring at henry cavill and his chin for two hours either especially as sherlock holmes he's very good so. oh yeah uh can he pull off the trifecta of playing superman sherlock holmes and james bond Maybe. yes I would, I would say yes. I think you could. I think, I think be very- Henry, there's a lot of, I mean, Mac would be the one to tell us for sure, but there's a lot of, uh, I feel like there's a lot of smoke around Henry Cavill as the next James Bond, Ooh. potentially. I think that's just his mustache. I mean, I just see, I feel like I see who will be the next James Bond clickbait headlines all the time. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> given that I haven't finished all the James Bond movies, I can't say who I think should be the next, but I think, why not Idris Elba? Change up yeah, the change up the format a little bit. For sure. I feel like the Henry Cavill and the uh, Army Hammer stake in James Bond was at its highest when they did Man from Uncle. Mm-hmm. And then that movie kind of bombed and that all that rumor mill about around both of them sort of went away. 
Yeah. Or like Tom Hardy gets rumored a lot too, and I feel like that right. was what Tom Hardy did in uh, Inception. He was like right. a James Bond character. I don't know. It's just like it just feels like more of the same. Um. So. Right. Well, what about but you? This is not the Bond podcast. Yeah. This is not for your ears only. But, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, best thing I watched this week. So I watched a whole lot of Jake Tapper and uh, John King, Wolf Blitzer. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd CNN on like from Tuesday <laughs> night until. Uh, Friday night probably um, got my use out of that J- that CNN Roku app, but that's not the best thing I watched. Even though the end result, knock on wood, has been good. Um, I don't know what's the best thing I watched. I actually watched quite a few movies this weekend. Um, and last night I watched Spider-Man: Far From Home. I rewatched that. Um, mm-hmm. Very fun. I mean that that's not the best thing I watched this this week, but it's just like reminded me of what a good high school movie that is. I, I do mm-hmm. like Far From Home better than Homecoming. Um, I have it ranked higher in my MCU rankings. And I just love it as, like, a follow-up where it's, you know, like, the European vacation. Like, literally, it's the European right. vacation, but it's, like, National Lampoon's European vacation, but right. better. Um, and it did – it reminds me – I went to France when I was in high school, did, like, a two-week trip to France during a sophomore year – summer after sophomore year. And I think it was summer after sophomore year. Yes, it was. Um, and this just reminded me so much of that. And, A, I miss traveling, but also, like, give me all kinds of nostalgia back to high school uh, mm-hmm. high school trips. But uh, I don't know. Best thing I watched, I think it's probably Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I rewatched that for my personal oh, ladder. I haven't seen that since uh, probably 2004, 2005. I've been meaning and, to rewatch that. Um, yeah, it's, it's it holds up really well. It's just very smart uh, romantic comedy. It's got that futuristic sci-fi element to it. Um, great cast. It's got, um, I mean, obviously it has Jim Carrey in it, but yeah. it also um, – it has Mark Ruffalo in a smaller role, Elijah Wood. This is like during like the big Elijah Wood time, like right after Lord of the Rings movies came out. Right. Um, Kate Winslet and Kirsten Dunst are both really good in there. Um, and yeah, it's it, I I watched a couple um, a couple Charlie Kaufman movies. I watched Adaptation as well this and weekend. Had you, so. had you seen Adaptation before? Yeah, I've seen Adaptation. Okay. I've seen Eternal Sunshine. I've seen um, Being John Malkovich. And mm-hmm. so the next Charlie Kaufman on my personal ladder I'm going to see, I do want to see Synecdoche, New York, which I've heard is really great. It's really good. Um, yeah. But uh, I think I'm going to watch I'm Thinking of Ending Things, finally, because I know my brother yeah. loves that movie. It's his number one movie of 2020. Jesse Buckley is in that. She mm-hmm. is in Fargo this season and is really good in Fargo. So. Yeah. Um, and I actually do not know anything about I'm Thinking of Ending Things, except that it's great. So. Yeah, and I think uh, Jesse Plemons is in that, and, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fargo season two to Fargo season four connection in that movie. Nice. Plus, Very Kirsten nice. Dunst was in Fargo season two, so TV ladder. Yeah, all over Charlie Kaufman. Man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I, I don't want to get into into uh, the way that we end this podcast, which is what will be we be watching. But spoiler alert: I'm thinking of watching. I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> so, um, all right, well. Let's go from uh, one film auteur to another. Let's talk about the problematic nature of Alfred Hitchcock, because we're going to talk about The Girl. Uh, the Girl is from 2012. It is the first TV movie that we are watching. Had I known this was a TV movie, I might have voted against this last week, um, because as people who know me know, I am very uh, strict about letterboxed and their allowing of tv properties on their website well, tv movies still count as movies i mean true but it's not like a miniseries <laughs> it's not a miniseries I, i'm so mad that people keep logging the queen's gambit on letterboxd it's not a damn movie it's a that's a miniseries a tv show 
Um, I can't wait to log Fargo season four on my letterbox. Right. I'm subtweeting <laughs> some of you that listen to this because some of the people who listen to this podcast, I have seen you logging the Queen's Gambit on your letterbox. Jim Crumley. I do not. I do not approve. <laughs> it is not just Jim Crumley. <laughs> um, but yes, so this movie, the, my very first note on the girl was TV 14 is what it said when I started playing it. I was like, oh, this is supposed to be a movie podcast, not a TV podcast. I record my TV podcast on Mondays. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so this dives all into uh, Alfred Hitchcock's obsession with Tippi Hedren. So the last couple weeks we have watched movies directed by Alfred Hitchcock starring Tippi Hedren. Mm-hmm. This was like a behind the scenes look at uh, at the relationship between them. And uh, yeah. really paints Alfred Hitchcock in a bad light. This was basically a movie that summarized all of my research from the last two podcasts we did into one movie, where we talked about the relationship of Hitchcock and her, and how he found Tiffy Hedren as a model, and how she basically wasn't really an actress when she started either of those movies. Yeah, she was um, she a, um was she in commercials? Is that that was where he Yeah, her, she right? was a model in a television commercial and that's mm-hmm. where they found her. Um and this was really only her second film. Um she had had a minor part in a film before The Birds and then they tapped her to star in The Birds. As we talked about last week, um after um basically Hitchcock had his heart broken as he was trying to also cast Marnie at the same time right. and couldn't fu- couldn't get princess grace kelly to was do that it a, that a freudian slip there <laughs> what uh couldn't never mind yeah uh go ahead i, I heard freudian couldn't slip find there. yeah they oh. couldn't get princess grace kelly to do it um and then uh yeah so that so he wound up finding um teddy hedron to be in the birds and then naturally grew obsessed with her throughout the making of that film in a very disturbing way as shown in this film. And then that led to her being cast as Marnie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the timeline feels sort of jumbled in this film to me. Um, well, because I mean, all that stuff Marnie came all out happening at the same time. I don't know because Marnie came out the year after the birds and we talked about that. So it was probably in development at the same time. Right. They were probably very closely in development. Um, and I do think, you know, I, I, I didn't really love this as a movie. I just thought I was not, I just couldn't get really into it. I, uh, this is going to be one of the lower ranked movies for me in general that we've watched. But I do like this as like the third part of the trilogy of the last couple weeks that we've done. Absolutely. Where we started with the birds. We followed Alfred Hitchcock and Tippi Hedren to the next year where they where they did Marnie together. And then this is kind of like that behind the scenes featurette that you would get on the DVD. So yeah. As a three-week uh, October to November uh, setup that we had, I actually think it worked really well. Um, and it was a side – this is a side of Alfred Hitchcock that I really didn't know. I know about mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock's movies. I really like a lot of his movies. Um, I know he does have you know, mother issues and a lot of that come out in those movies. There's the creepy yeah. mom, so I'm sure uh, some of his sexual issues uh, stem from that if I had to psychoanalyze him. Yeah. Um, and I know he loves his blondes, the Hitchcock blondes. Blondes make the, Hitchcock the best Hitchcock blonde is such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know much about Alfred Hitchcock's mom. I would I would be very interested to know if she was blonde. Right. Um, and I, I think that's my big thing with this movie as well, is I wish that there was more, to be honest. 90 minutes was not enough to explain the nuance and motives of why everyone was acting the way they were in this film 
to the degree that was satisfying. Mm -hmm. Because there was just, all of a sudden we were in the casting process of the birds. Then she was cast. Then all of a sudden we're in the scene where she's being attacked by the birds. Then all of a sudden we're on to Marty. And it all happens in like 90 minutes in very quick scenes. And there wasn't enough ebb and flow for me of the plot to really understand everything that was happening behind the scenes. Like, I understood how he became obsessed with her and how he used her and abused her. And even to Tippi Hendren's own account, because she was heavily involved in this movie, um, his attempted sexual assault of her Mm -hmm. on the set of The Birds. And then his reaction to her rejection of him by having her film the climactic scene of The Birds when she goes into the attic. Over and over over and over. Over and over and over. And something that they explained in this movie that I actually really appreciated that I remember having a question on when we talked about the birds is why did she even go into that attic in the first place? Mm -hmm. And the movie in the movie Hitchcock says she goes into it because I want her to. And I thought that was actually like told me everything I needed to know about Alfred Hitchcock and his mentality is that he wasn't doing this for the sake of the plot or for the sake of the character, he was doing it because of what he wanted the character to do, not because he had any idea what the character's actual motivations were in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, because that's not he's, something you... Yeah, yet it's, it's, I mean, he hits him punishing her on the set. Yeah, exactly. And we see him punishing her on the set a couple times in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not just that the bird scene. We have the scene where she's being attacked, the, the famous scene where she's being attacked in the phone booth. Right. as well yeah. um and you know it was hard to read from that exactly what if that was intentional or not but she does get cut because of the mechanical yeah. bird breaking through that the glass in the phone booth um and she gets that cut on her. and she you know there are times during this movie where her face is cut up and yeah. you can't tell if it's actual injuries that she sustained on the set or if it's the or if it's the makeup i mean that that scene during the uh, during the phone booth was definitely a result of the of the stunt gone wrong. But then later on during that scene, that the climactic scene where she's in the attic, I mean, he has her film that over and over and over again. Yeah. And whether and then, that leaves physical damage, it definitely leaves emotional damage to her. Well, when she goes home, we see a couple of cuts on her face as well. When she goes and has that tender moment with her daughter in the um, in the breakfast nook when she sits mm-hmm. down at the table, you can see the cut across her and she's still filming that scene so that yeah i mean i I think this movie definitely left both its uh filming with hitchcock definitely both left both its emotional and physical scars on tibby hedron but i mean all credit to tibby hedron because she went on to you know rebound in a way that hitchcock probably tried his best to keep her from doing i mean she was in dozens upon dozens of tv shows and movies after this Okay, so I was going to ask a about really that. Because, long career. Well, because I mean, he has he her, didn't ruin her. Right. She had the career she wanted to have, but because she, at the end of this movie, she's really kind of locked into this contract mm-hmm. with Universal. As a result, mm-hmm. she signs like a seven-year deal with Universal. So mm-hmm. did she end up getting out of that contract, or is it just that she had to wait until that contract was done before she could start being in more movies? Well, they they tried to get her to do several TV shows, which she turned down. 
but she did start appearing um, in guest spots on TV shows shortly after this. The movies were made, so I mean, mm-hmm. she she did what she could to you know put food on the table for her daughter and doing the occasional TV appearance, and then wrote out the rest of her contract and did whatever she wanted to do throughout the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it is um, yeah, I do think this movie was interesting in general just because it adds this dimension onto uh onto these movies that we saw and some of the things that don't make sense you talked about the climactic moment in the birds mm-hmm. i also think the scene where um in marnie where sean connery's character yeah uh, where uh rutland rips her dress off and it was just yeah. very like it it was cut weird it just was it just did. very odd yeah and it just kind of came out of nowhere i get that he's uh, obsessed with her which obviously we kind of know what that's based off of um but it's his it's more his of a to shame was, her than anything like yeah. well and and just to i mean he's sitting you know five feet from her as she's naked in front of him so right. uh, you know exactly. he's, there's his desires as well that he's getting from that well and one of the things i wrote down in my notes as we were watching this and then i realized why the film deliberately chose not to use rod taylor or sean connery is because that would have pulled focus away from the intent of those scenes. Because if you if you had Rod Taylor or Sean Connery there, you would be expecting them to step in and go, you can't treat her like this, she's an actress, blah, blah, blah. You mean as characters and, in this movie? Yeah, as characters in this movie. Well, and they do reference that Instead, Sean we're zoomed in on Hitchcock deliberately filming these scenes without her co-star in them to make sure that she's looking at him as they're being filmed instead of the co-star right you know what i mean so it's it's an it's an intentional focus poll by hitchcock or the way the way they're playing hitchcock in this movie to be like i am not all of the scenes they show of her filming don't contain a single other actor from these movies and i thought that they do they do show over the shoulder um and they do also reference that but that's a stand-in because they show that it's evan hunter later it's a stand. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because they do reference that it's Sean Connery. Because right. it, when they say that they're getting Sean Connery, she says, oh, the guy from Dr. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. so, so they do reference that it is Sean Connery. But yeah, it's that he's not actually there. Correct. Um, yeah, and neither is Rod Taylor in any of the bird scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's incredibly deliberate about the filmmaker. and something I thought was an interesting touch to make her feel even more isolated and under the thumb of... Hitchcock. Um, Hitchcock and also us as the viewer feel even more uncomfortable with it because us as a viewer seeing the character of Sean Connery would pull focus away from that moment and its impact mm-hmm. I think yeah you know yeah and I, I I agree with that I think it's you know one of the things I really noticed about this movie is like there's a very small cast. I mean, this movie is really exactly. just Toby Jones and Sienna Miller. Um, we do have uh, Hitchcock's wife in this a little bit, and we have yeah. uh, Tippi Hedren's mom and daughter. Yeah. But it's really, it's really almost like a stage play with two people. Um, also, Tippi, Tippi Hedren's personal assistant, who I really thought for a hot second before I realized, like, it could. Well, I mean, it, I guess it could have been because this came out in 2012. I thought it was Evangeline Lilly. Oh, it could have been Lily in a wig, but I guess it was um, who's who was the assistant? Uh, Candace Darcy as Josephine. Is that who oh, that was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, Imelda 
Elnilda Staunton um, is known from uh, Harry Potter movies. She's Dolores Umbridge. She, I think she gives a really good performance as Alma uh, Hitchcock. Hitchcock um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, I thought, she, I thought she was good. And it's interesting what her relationship with Alfred is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she seems to know, she knows what's going on. And she oh, for sure. doesn't yeah. approve of it. But she is a, you know, she is the, what is she going to do? She's married to Alfred Hitchcock. She, exactly. at this time, there's not much that it seems that she can do. Well, and I think that's also a product of that generation, too, Mm -hmm. right? Like, how sexual assault and misconduct was sort of accepted by certain generations as part of just what happens when you're rich and famous, you get to do whatever you want. Even when this movie was released, that was still the case. I mean, this is is pre-Weinstein in 2012. Um, So, you know, we're we're getting um, yeah, I I did note that this movie is a little bit like ahead of the Me Too movement by a couple of years. And we're seeing this side of Hollywood and, um, you know, a side of Alfred Hitchcock I didn't know anything about. I knew that they had a problematic relationship, but I thought they actually had a relationship based on my little bit of research when we when we were doing Marnie last week. Um, I did not realize it was to the extent where Hitchcock was just obsessed with her and she had no interest. She just was trying yeah. to film the movie. Yeah, I mean, you're basically looking at a, this could have been a Harvey Weinstein and mm-hmm. insert actress Jessica Alba mm-hmm. or whoever mm-hmm. here. Insert name here and mm-hmm. you can remake this movie. Beat for beat, shot for shot right now and put it on HBO and it's going to be the biggest thing on Twitter for a month. Yeah, it is surprising we haven't had more movies like this that have come out the last couple of years, um, whether it's Kevin Spacey, Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. or not uh, Harvey Weinstein, like you said. Well, uh, there are a couple that are going to come up in connections that I won't spoil, mm-hmm. but there have been a couple that have been made more recently in the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. One most notably that uh, Molly recommended that I, I'm excited to talk about when we get there. Oh, nice. Okay. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you don't often see – Hollywood go back and retcon the legacy of a well-respected person like this mm-hmm. 40 to 50 years after the fact. That usually that that um autocorrection usually only happens in the moment. You right. don't necessarily see them go like not after gonna... not after their career is done and they've been dead for a while. You don't Correct. you don't see people. I feel like the closest you can come to this is like you do hear a lot about John Wayne being yeah. very racist. What a dick. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's been a movie about John Wayne being racist. It's just stories about him being racist. And, like, there have been, you know, the the most famous case of director abusing his female lead is the abuse that Stanley Kubrick laid on uh, Shelley Duvall during Mm -hmm. the filming of The Shining. Mm -hmm. Or The Shining, we don't want to get sued. Um, But that is well documented in the, um, what is that, Room 237? The documentary we saw that is at, i don't remember i guess yeah. i do remember some of it i watched room 237 yeah. recently i don't remember that much yeah. of it. so it's that's well documented there and in other places but that's really the most the one that comes to mind first when you think about a director abusing his cast and his female lead but there's nothing on the record of like it being sexual it's just mental and emotional Right, and you do hear about that. I think you also hear about that with David Fincher as well, I believe, is another one, um, where they just make – they make uh, the cast members deliver a certain line uh, a ton of times just to get it more 
you know, just right. putting them through emotional and physical abuse to get a certain type of performance out of them, yeah, but not to right. get a sexual performance. Out right. Of them. So that is not that is not even on the scale of what this movie is. Yeah. No. And I think Paul Thomas Anderson as well uh, yeah. has I've heard some stories about that, but I don't want to. Uh, these are kind of speculation. I can't remember what I've actually heard for sure, right, so I don't want sure. to say. Um, what about the uh, performances in this movie? What did you think of uh, Sienna Miller versus Tippi Hedren? Yeah, so I really I kept calling her Sierra Miller in my notes, and I know it's Sienna Miller now because uh-huh. um, I, I kept like for some reason my 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 brain kept auto correcting it to Sierra, but Sienna Miller. Um, I thought she gave a really interesting performance. I thought that she played the strength of Tibby Hendren and her resolve really, really well, while also playing up her naivete at the start, thinking, mm-hmm. oh, yay, it's Alfred Hitchcock. I get to work with this awesome, famous director, and my career is going to be made. And then just the despair she plays really well on her face when she realizes what this big break is going to cost her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think she she gives a really compelling performance, and it's um, it's no wonder that both she and Toby Jones were nominated for uh, multiple multiple awards during TV movie season. Oh, okay. Um, in 2012, um, they were they were both nominated at the Golden Globes and the Primetime Emmys. Um, unfortunately, they they lost at all of them uh, as well as being nominated at the BAFTAs the British Film and Television Awards. Um, it did not win any of them, but, you know, it definitely says a lot they were nominated. Um, and I think Toby Jones does a really good job at just playing weirdo creeps in anything he's in. You know, I mean, whether it's whether it's the Marvel movies or the Potter movies or, you know, just he's, he's very, very good at just playing this... This really good creeper role, and I think he's I think he's doing it a little much at times. Like it's a little it's a little too much in moments. Mm-hmm. But and this is the 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 problem is that there's no like I think my I think my main problem with this, and not that I want to know more about his motivation, because I mean they they try to give us a sympathetic scene with him when he's drunk in the car being driven home by his assistant and it just doesn't land because you're you watched nothing to this point to make that feel earned for that character and so Mm -hmm. that really bothered me um it's like wait now all of a sudden you want me to feel sorry for him you've given me nothing to this point or at least to add at least to add a little bit of uh give me some motivation give me some motivation other than he just think she's hot like give me give me a little i i don't know the movie just moved too quickly to have real motivations for these characters but i i liked the performances i thought that they were really good at doing what they were doing i just wanted more did you, you know? see hitchcock the one with I anthony, have uh, tony hopkins with no. anthony hopkins no and so, that's so about making a psycho right yeah and that came out right around the i think it came out the same year potentially the same yeah. fall um and i remember i saw that movie with my mom i don't remember a ton about it um but i do think i liked anthony hopkins performances hitchcock a little bit better i just think toby jones is is there something about his performance that was just off-putting to me and not in like a he's creepy way but just in it like it wasn't it just didn't work um 
And so that was my big cool. issue and with with the, him in this role. I thought Sienna Miller worked. I, I can see why, mm-hmm. you know, like why she was cast as mm-hmm. as Tibby Hedren. Um, I think, you know, her she's kind of like overly dramatic, like at times when she's being when she's being psychologically abused. But I also think that it kind of matches with the way Tippi Hedren acts in these For movies. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, so especially watching this after watching the birds in Marnie the last couple of weeks, I think that, you know, whether it was intentional or not, she was able to match that energy. For sure. I thought she matched the energy, even if, even if the, like the voice wasn't quite Tippi Hedren at times. And the, and I mean, the look wasn't quite, but, she didn't look but the, quite. And neither was the look, yeah. but she doesn't look a lot like Tippi Hedren, but I still bought it. Like it's it still the emotion was there and the physicality was there and the attention was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the I think the strength of the the character and the actress was there. Um, so I I thought she did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if Hitchcock comes up as a connection. I'm sure somebody mm-hmm. suggested it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how interesting it would be to go from this movie to Hitchcock, just because. They're kind. I mean, they're not. They're similar and they're not similar. Um, I think Hitchcock dives more into Hitchcock's background than this one does. This really just kind of presents him as uh, obsessive, as fully formed. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I, I would have like. I think I would probably like Hitchcock then because I want a little more of the background. I want a little more of the actual motivation because if you're gonna tell me this guy is a creep and. You're going to show me how he's being a creep in the moment. I also want to know that's going to lead to a million other questions. Has he done this before? Did he do this with Grace Kelly? Did he do this with Eva Marie Saint? And both of them, both of whom denied in interviews later in their lives that this ever happened to them. But because Tiffy Hedren had been speaking out about this since the seventies, mm-hmm. that this is what she went through. Um, but it's uh it's really interesting I, I i really want more when when you're gonna do a movie about hollywood i want more from it i want it to go bigger and especially show me uh, more char- about the making of yeah know, especially with with alfred hitchcock with a with a director like him For sure. who has so many very interesting themes and quirks in his movies mm. where do those come from um exactly. and yeah I, I would like to get that I, I would be curious about the book i mean i'm never going to read the book but there, this movie is based on a book called spellbound mm-hmm. uh spellbound by beauty alfred hitchcock and his leading ladies and i, I mean i would just wonder if this would be much more interesting to read as a book and yeah. you would just get into more detail about what happened versus seeing it on screen and i do think the toby jones role was so distracting um that it, it kind of for me just did not click the way that uh, maybe a book would kind of reminds me of like those James Miller books that came out, like the ESPN one and the SNL book Yeah, uh, that those are very interesting books. And I think if they tried to make a movie version of those, it would not be able to capture what the, right. It's like an oral history. It it felt kind of like an oral history. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do we want to get into a little bit about Spellbound, the 2009 book? Because I have some notes on it. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? What did you? Yeah. So Hedron, as you said, Hedron alleges in uh, the 2009 book Spellbound by Beauty, Alfred Hitchcock and his leading ladies actually asked her to make herself sexually available and and accessible to him, however and whenever he wanted or desired. This is uh, obviously shown in the film in that one pivotal scene after she rejects him for the first time. And then he comes back to her and she then goes back and dyes her hair. 
Um, that was like sort of the breaking shown as the breaking point in the film mm. for her. Um, mm. So the writer uh, Spado was the first person Hedron said she ever told this story to. Uh, she said it was embarrassing and insulting. There were a lot of reasons why I didn't want to tell this story. I didn't want to be taken advantage of, twisted, turned, and made it to an even uglier situation than it was. It wasn't until years later that I told Donald Spotto this story. He was absolutely true and honest in this book. The scene is depicted in the movie, as, as many other aspects were from the book. In an October 2012 interview, Hedger doubled down on the allegations, saying that although she believed the film accurately portrays Hitchcock's negative behavior towards her, the time constraints of a 90-minute film prevented telling the story of her career with him in full. Uh, she told television critic Rob Salem it wasn't a cons- constant barrage of harassment as shown in the film. It was more constantly the way we have to do it in this film. If uh, Sorry, if it was in the constant way we had to do it in this film, I, w- I would have been long gone. So I think that's I think that's also part of it. I think that this movie that's exactly it. I think this movie shows it in a way where everything happened on top of it, on top of itself, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going, "Well, how is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is nobody ending this? What what happened in between all these things happening? Because the movie just flashed forwards almost through the words in Marnie, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that Films take much longer. The process lasts a lot longer. And we're only being shown these instances. Well, and there is a level of success that comes, right? Like, we don't really see the birds coming out and Tibby Hedren becoming a star. We don't see Marnie coming out. We see, you know, the end of this movie is her filming the last scene of Marnie, um, which coincidentally was the first scene of Marnie. Um, Yeah. And, you know, so we, we miss out on some of that. I also think you know, to get to your point about things being kind of crammed together, it's almost like things are embellished in this movie a little bit. And, um, you know, not to say that this didn't happen or that I don't believe her anything or that I don't believe the story, but when there are things that are, you know, played up for the movie version of this, of this story, it makes it hard to know, like, what is the, what is the factual, what actually happened here versus what is played up to make this a dramatic HBO movie. Correct. And I think a lot of that um, is addressed in another interview she did with Vanity Fair in 2016 that I highly recommend people seek out. Um, Mm -hmm. It goes into a lot more depth about herself and her career and her relationship with Hitchcock. Um, And she stands by, you know, her allegations that she made, um, but it gives a little more detail and a little more depth. And also, you know, with with all that said, hashtag believe women. I, you know, I am not one to deny somebody saying that something didn't happen, you know, that something happened to them. Right. Um, I yeah, certainly yes. believe I certainly believe Tiffy Hedren in this instance. Um, and this, but I will also note that a lot of her co-stars have said that they never saw anything, but they've also said just because they never saw anything or experienced anything doesn't mean that it didn't actually happen. And I think that's an important distinction, mm-hmm. you know, because that's a, that's the way harassment happens a lot of times. That's the way sexual abuse happens a lot of times. It's not something that's out in the open. It's not something everybody knows about or sees. It's something that when people find out about it, people are shocked and go, what? I never would have suspected. I never would have seen that happening. Nothing. I thought they were totally normal to me, you know, right. because it is not 
out there in front. It is something that is hidden a lot of times. And I think that's one of the major goals of the Me Too movement of the last several years is to make it more acceptable to speak out about these types of situations. And so I I hope that that keeps happening and that the industry does change. And so that we don't get more Alfred Hitchcocks and Harvey Weinsteins in the world. Um, But, you know, at the same time, monsters are everywhere. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to happen. But hopefully it means more often when it does, people will speak out about it and condemn those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think in it, you know, this this is the problem we ran into last week as well with Marnie, mm-hmm. where we are two guys talking on a movie about a woman who's sure. being abused sexually, emotionally, yeah. mentally. Um, so it is it is tricky. Yeah. And, you know, it would be great for us to have a female perspective all the time, but specifically these mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, I think. Um, yeah, and, sure. But this, you know, yes, this this is a story that, you know, I was not aware of. I knew I knew nothing about this side of Alfred Hitchcock and I could have dug into it more, but it's just not a well-known story. Um, and the fact that this movie came out and really I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty up on what movies are coming out on HBO and I had never heard of the girl until last week. Um, and I did. Hey, I mean, this was peak out. HBO. I mean, Game of Thrones was in its second season around this time. Mm-hmm. You had Westworld raging. I mean, yeah, the fact that this movie was at least sort of buried or out of mind for people who were watching HBO all the time, like us, is kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I like movies about movies. I mean, I think we're going to have some it's movies it. about movies coming up in our connections as well. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it's an interesting story. I think in better hands or told a little bit more eloquently, um, this could be a great movie. And uh, there's a reason this is an HBO movie and not a theatrical release movie. So. And I kind of wish it was a theatrical release movie and had the full weight of a studio behind it and full production scale that could have made it a little longer and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think – this is a this is a this is a situation we get into a lot though is like separating the art from the artist and if it's something Correct. you're comfortable doing I mean when you I there are some Woody Allen movies I really There's love mm-hmm. yeah um I podcasted about House of Cards this was obviously before all the Kevin Spacey news came out but Kevin Spacey used to be one of my favorite actors and I still like a lot of movies that Kevin Spacey is in yep. um but it's it's tricky it's you know these these are people that you know do you want to support watching Kevin Spacey movie do you want to support an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a moral decision I think each person has to make on their own. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would love to know more about just um, what why is Alfred Hitchcock the way he is, both as a director and as a human. And yeah, I think we just didn't get very much of that in this movie. And this part of it, I do not remember any of this being in the movie Hitchcock also, which mm-hmm. was a theatrically released movie with a bigger cast, with bigger well-known names in the cast. Um, right. And they did not touch on this that I yeah. remember. Did it did cover a different era though? I mean, it did. Yeah, well, it's psycho, so it's before. But okay. I would imagine that this is not yeah. that this kind of behavior from Alfred Hitchcock did not just develop in the 1960s. You, you would know, think, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would think that this this kind of behavior was going on for a while. So, mm-hmm. um, um, and it does it does color different parts of Marnie, and you know we're Definitely. seeing Timmy Hedren abused in back to back weeks. Um, yeah. and really back to back to back weeks, but, um, you know, I still, I still really like what Marnie did. Um, and mm-hmm. this kind of, uh, this kind of colors some of the, the, uh, the oddities of that movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, all right, well, let's get into connections to other movies that we got um, and connections to last week, and then we'll get into feedback. Um, yeah. So, so I have a casting connection, actually. This okay. is a really fun one that I wrote down. So as we talked about, um, so there's there's one scene where they come in and they talk about how Tippy is being nominated for a Rising Star of Tomorrow Award. Mm-hmm. And among the other nominees are Ursula Andres and Dame Maggie Smith. So Dame Maggie Smith played uh, Minerva McGonagall in the Harry Potter films, along with Amelda, who was uh, Dora Sunbridge in those films. So that that was a really that was the first one that struck me. And then I was like, wait a second, Ursula Andres, and Ursula Andres was in Doctor No with Sean Connery, who was in Marnie with Tippi Hedren. What so was Ursula like, Andress from? Dr. No. She no, was, before that, though. What was the connection uh, from Tibby Hendren? Oh, Start your connection over. I, I okay. did not follow So Tibby Hendren was in Dr. No with Sean Connery, who was right. in Marnie with Tibby Hendren. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a Kevin That's, Bacon situation. Yeah. But what was her connection to another movie in the ladder? No, it's not another movie in the ladder. I'm just saying to Marnie. And to the birds. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just no. I'm saying actor connections because they're oh, okay. all. It's a big circle. It's like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now I get. In it. the I movie was, you're I watching. You connecting, yeah, I thought you were connecting another movie to this movie. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. That's why, that's why I called it an actor connection. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, um, I mean, obviously, this movie, you know, connecting to our last two weeks, this shows actual behind this. Yeah. Well, not actual, but behind the scenes footage recreated yeah. from the birds and from Marnie. Uh, specifically, they talk a lot about that yellow purse that uh, I called out in the beginning of our Marnie review last yeah, week. Yeah, the fortune cookie purse. Yeah, so um, that played a big role. Yeah. Um, As did the wigs and the hair dye, and yeah, for sure. And the way the the way the bird scenes were shot um, mm-hmm. in the birds. Yeah, and then they also use a lot of the framing shots that are used in Marnie and the Birds, like the stair and the staircase shot from Vertigo, where he's going up the bell tower in Vertigo. Mm-hmm. That is, um, I mean, not that we've covered Vertigo, but that they they really used a lot of unique Hitchcockian shots in this film as regular shots, like the staircase and like um, the the wall. Two sides of the wall. They did that once. Oh, they did. You know, yeah, stuff like that. So I thought that was I thought that was really cool that they connected like they purposely set different shots to be to mimic Hitchcock shots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they also have uh, in terms of movies about movie making. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two that it really that really tie. One is Tropic Thunder. So that was about the making of a movie about a. Uh, a crazy director in a different way in Tropic yep. Thunder and crazy, crazy filmmakers. Um, but also, I mean, serious vibes from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was the first yeah, movie I wrote sure. down for yeah. this. Um, you know, that that Tippi Hedren and um, and uh, Sharon Tate, I think you could you could line them up very similarly. Yeah. So Yeah, you could see a line there. Yeah, definitely yeah. for sure. Uh, and this was, you know, just a couple years in Los Angeles before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was 69. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this was the early 60s. So. For sure. Um, also, uh, I mean, this is a kind of a small connection, but the, uh, filming the, how they showed how they filmed the first scene of Marnie at the end of filming, that's kind of like Memento because Memento was told backwards. Yeah. Also they use black and white. 
Yeah. It went from black and white to color, and it's like a memento. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And didn't we have another black and white to color movie, or was it just memento? Um, nothing that rings bell. We haven't done Wizard of Oz yet. Um, nope. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing that rings the bell. Um, you know, we have had quite a few movies that take place in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Shampoo took place in, in LA. Uh, early 70s, LA. Yep. In around so, LA. Yeah. Actually, yeah. late 60s for Shampoo. Or late 60s. Before yeah. the Tate murders, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I guess you could also, the, the scene yeah. in the doors with Francis Ford Coppola at film yeah. school. Also LA, yeah. Uh, Collateral is it set in LA, set an office set in LA. Yep. We we love our LA movies for sure. Yeah. Movies um, love to make movies about LA. Sure. So. Is is it Reservoir Dogs LA as well? Um Yeah, it was. Um I mean you could say the sliding doors moment that Grace Kelly doesn't take the Marnie role. Yeah. And how good. different if Grace it's Kelly would have taken Marnie, how different uh Tippy Hedren's life would have turned out as a result. How different everybody's careers would have been, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've really had much about somebody who's obsessed in this. I mean, I guess you could probably say like, Happy you could Death say Day, Lestat kind of. is obsessed. Lestat is obsessed with Louis. In, yeah. Uh, in, in, in Vampire. Vampire. Um, um, was there much obsession in Harold the Maw? That was a pretty healthy relationship. Well, healthy sort mm, of. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's. I mean, 500 Days of Summer. It's sort of yeah. uh, sort of becomes an obsessive relationship as well. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, uh, let's see what we got for feedback about this movie and uh, get into that and then get into our ladder um, and our own. Well, first, we'll get into our own ratings. So let's see what we got for feedback. Um, All right. So Jeff said uh, that we've got one that Jeff liked. Jeff said he thought this was a really well-made movie and it was interesting. However, it made me really dislike Hitchcock a great deal and feel sorry for Tibby Hedren. Mm-hmm. It really highlights for me the Me Too movement and how ugly that era of Hollywood probably was by all accounts. It also made me feel very uncomfortable to watch. It becomes mm-hmm. one of those movies I didn't enjoy watching that much, but I'm very glad I did. I'll give it four stars. It's a good length. Well, it says it's a good length. And he mm-hmm. told and told the story of his creepiness and her strength. Yeah. So um so that's four from Jeff. Uh yep. Jim Cromley said the girl was disturbing. Not good, but not bad. I'm giving it a three. Nice. Um, all right, Jim. And Molly wrote in. Molly wrote in a pretty long email, so let's see what uh, Molly had to say. She said, uh, so glad this movie was picked. I'd never heard of it before, and it really deepened my appreciation for Marnie and the birds. I had a lot of problems with Marnie, which she gave two and a half stars to, mainly Sean Connery's character, having no explanation for why he's so obsessed with Marnie, and overly hysterical performance by Tippi Hedren. The girl explains all of that. I also don't think all of the repressed trauma elements in Marnie were done very well. It Mm -hmm. seemed over the top and cheesy to me. Not sure a five-year-old girl could kill a grown man with a fire poker. But I'm glad that Tippi was able to tell what it was like working with Hitchcock. I still love the birds, but I won't be able to watch it again without thinking of her doing 40-plus takes of that attic scene. For sure. Hopi Jones was amazing as Hitchcock. Sienna Miller grew on me. I don't think she looked like Tippi Hedren, but I really liked her performance. I now see Mar- Marnie as a self-indulgent, self-indulgent, self-indulgent exercise in Hitchcock's very messed up obsession with Tippi Hedrick and mm-hmm. her not sleeping with him. Pretty gross. Three and a half stars. P.S. Bruce Dern is still alive. Did we say Bruce, Bruce Dern was dead I thought, I thought I said – I might have said Bruce Dern was dead during uh, during the Marnie – during the Marnie uh, – during the Marnie podcast. I thought, I thought Bruce Dern died already. 
Nope, still yeah. alive. Well, why not? Mia yeah. Copa, sorry about that, Bruce Dern. Um, yeah. I hope he lives another 50 years. I like that game. Um, cool. I don't think last week we were able to get Molly's feedback in on Marnie before we recorded either. Um, so I'm glad that we were able to get. Yeah, I'm um, glad we were able to get some. Because yeah. we recorded earlier. I, I agree. And it ties in really well. Um, I think she makes a lot of really good points. Um, I'm glad we watched Marnie first. I don't think I would have been able to watch Marnie the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would have liked it a lot less if we had watched this first. Um yeah, she, she yeah and I do think what's interesting yeah. about Marnie, I mean, I, I I like Marnie, but I definitely understand the criticism that it, a lot of it just didn't really track and it seemed very over mm-hmm. the top. I think mm-hmm. this adds that other side of the coin, which is what Molly said yeah. as well. Um, Marnie was considered Hitchcock's, like, if not his last major hit, but one of his last major hits. I think Frenzy might have come out after that. Yeah. Um, but he didn't have very many hits after Marnie. Yeah. And I don't I mean if this was 2020 and this came out about Hitchcock, that would be the reason why that he, you know, was exposed mm-hmm. during the Me Too movement. Um, but I just wonder why he didn't make another movie. Um, you know, he, so he didn't, make, didn't, didn't make it to the level as uh, the level of his previous films. For sure. Right. So, yeah. So he had uh, torn curtain, Topaz mm-hmm. frenzy, mm-hmm. and then family plot. So frenzy really seems like the only one that was a major hit. Um, yeah. I have. I feel like I might have heard about Topaz, but I don't think it's. I've heard it. I've heard about Turn Curtain. Don't people like Turn Curtain or am I? Uh, I don't know. So Topaz does not have very good ratings on mm-hmm. uh, Letterboxd. And what um, did the Ringer rate it? Yes. What did Sean Fantasy have to say? Uh, Torn Curtain. Uh, half star, one star, two and a half stars. Whoa. People I'm friends with. So yeah. pretty low. It does have Paul Newman and Julie Andrews in it though. Um, maybe that's why I. Maybe that's why I thought it was good. And then Frenzy. <laughs> Uh, Frenzy has good ratings. Fren- Frenzy's almost okay. four. Letterbox. Right so Frenzy is really his last major hit. Um, and then he does also Family Plot, which let's see what Family Plot is. Uh, mm. Oh, Family Plot, uh, seen by fewer, but has uh, pretty decent reviews. Bruce Dern is in Family Plot. Oh, fewer. Yeah. So. Well, um, uh, Owen did not get around to watching this, as we said earlier in the pod. Um, so that's own, it, it's so ironic though that Owen it, it suggested really this movie. And it was an HBO movie, and he couldn't even see it. Um, I, I sent him some suggestions for how he could try to watch it, but yeah. I guess it was, yeah. wasn't able to get it to work. So. So, but we, we are at a listener average of 3.5. Um, Zach, why don't you go ahead and give your final thoughts of rating on this first, and then I will sum up. Yeah, um, I'm somewhere between a 2 and a 2.5. I just really, like, didn't – like, not that I have to enjoy every movie, but I just couldn't really, like right. – find myself very interested in this i thought it was an interesting story um i never would have read this in a book so i'm just just like i don't read very often uh, sadly um but i just didn't think it was like that well made the, a couple scenes were, were really good i thought like they they did a good job showing the psychological damage that hitchcock does uh, to, mm-hmm. to uh tippy hedron but in general it just was kind of all over the place a little bit and um mm-hmm. I don't know. I just it just wasn't wasn't my thing. So uh, just since the listeners are so high on it, I'll give it a two just to balance things out, bring some balance to the force. So, Fair enough. Uh, so I'm probably a little hard on it, and I'm glad that I, I I will say I'm very glad that I learned this story because otherwise I would have just thought Alfred Hitchcock was a creepy yeah. guy who kept his creepiness to movies. And yeah, that's where inter- that's where my sum up point was going to be as well. Um, I'm very happy that this movie got me to do some deep research and 
read the interviews I did with Tippi Hedren about the making of this film and why she chose to come out with her story and the different interviews she did with, um, you know, The Telegraph in the UK and Vanity Fair um, and how open she's been about making sure her story got told the way she wanted it to be told. And mm-hmm. for that, I give her and this movie a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alfred, the Alfred Hitchcock performance by Toby Jones and the Sienna Miller performance are both very good. But my major problem with this movie is it just it should have been longer. They should have done it better. It, it to be honest, it kind of shortchanges Tiffany Hedren's experience a bit by her own admission, mm-hmm. because only all the bad things were crammed in there, and there was no breathing room or context given to them it was just all 90 minutes of here's all the awful things he did but there's no setup or explanation or denouement or catharsis or even it's just it's just a lot of here are all the bad things here's why alfred hitchcock's a bad guy with none of the context and that's not a good movie that's not a that's not the way you should make a movie like this in my opinion. Um, so for that, I have to give it probably my, I think this will be my lowest score I've ever given, or one of my lowest, but I, I mean, I don't think I've ever gone lower than two, but I think I'm, I think I'm right there with you in giving it a two. Um, I want to, I want to give it higher, but I just can't mm-hmm. because I just was uncomfortable watching this movie the entire time. And my comfort was only eased in the research I did finding out more about the story from the people who made it that should have been in the actual movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all the context they gave to the movie should have just been in the movie. So like, thanks for the context. I wish you had said this in this way in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, and that would have made it a better, made a better film. Um, yeah. I, uh, you yeah, did get two stars two. to interview the vampire as well. Um, yeah, I, yeah, two stars across the board to interview yeah. the vampire. <laughs> so well that is going to average us to a 2.5 overall no. for this film not making the top 10 i don't think it's not making the top 10 this year um but yeah i mean I, I think it's really interesting that toby jones and sienna miller were both nominated for multiple awards for their performances i think those performances were earned but i also think it is entirely within the good sense of those academies not to give that this film and the in those performances those awards like the, congrats on the nom thanks for showing up um but i i think the other performances that were nominated that year were definitely better mm-hmm. um yeah no i i agree and i i am glad we watched this i think you know, yeah. when when we talked about Marnie last week, we talked a little bit about the uh, relationship between them, but I just don't think we had the context around it. So I'm glad that we got the context. And from a story, I think sure. I'm glad that I learned this story, even if it might be a little over embellished at times um, or inaccurate, I guess is the better word to say. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to use the word embellish because it's Tibby Hedren's own account. But she didn't write the um, book, right? I mean, No, she but she gave the interviews and had input into the script. Okay. I so, thought you said that she said things didn't happen the way that the movie portrayed. Well, she said not in the same like context and timeline, but yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. And so but yeah, I, her, I don't mean embellish. Like she, like she embellishes things. Yeah, I definitely don't want to. I don't want to come off like that. It's more that 
um, it, it, it was accurate, more I guess that the that. movie made it seem like everything happened all at once, and it didn't because mm. movies take years to make. Not everything happened within the span of a month, like it seems like in the movie. You know? Well, and it is just really sad that Alfred Hitchcock ruined Tippi Hedren's career, at least to an extent, right. like derailed her career. Um, and you wonder how many other actresses he did that to, or other directors, other producers in Hollywood also did that to. Um, yeah. So that that power dynamic, it is really sad that that exists, yeah. and probably still exists to an extent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that this movie exposed it, and I hope that uh, you know we taught by by covering this that our our listeners learned a little something about Alfred Hitchcock and his behavior. For sure. So. All right. So with that, let's see what we're going to watch next week. Um, we're going to take our suggestions from the listeners and we brought our own suggestions. We'll come up with a final couple movies, either two or four, and determine what we're going to watch next week. So uh, Jeff writes in with his connections and he said he's going to recommend movies based on historical slices of real people's lives. So he's, he suggested uh, The King's Speech. Nice. The Darkest Hour. So both nice. about British men. Uh, also, first man. Mm-hmm. And he said, if we will allow him a fourth, which Jeff, we will. Uh, he also suggested Argyle. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can connect <laughs> Young Frankenstein to the girl, I would be impressed. <laughs> Good uh, luck. Yeah. Uh, Argyle. He said so, Argyle. Yeah. So <laughs> is Argyle, um, is that about real? I guess that there are real yeah, people Yeah, it is. In Argyle. It's about the Iran hostage crisis. So. Yeah, but it's also about movie making. So. Also true. Yeah, it also is also about movie making. Good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, on with one this week. Uh, hopefully he checked to see if he can actually watch it. Gods and Monsters from 1998. Film portraying an iconic film director, James Whale. Uh, again, mm-hmm. a strong focus on the director's complex sexuality. Ian McKellen plays James Whale, uh, primarily known for his Frankenstein Universal films in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Best screenplay, Oscar and McKellen and Lynn Redgrave were nominated for ask- acting Oscars. Nice. So, that is Gods and Monsters. That's a good choice. Uh, Jim suggested 21 Bridges with Sienna Miller and mm-hmm. a vague connection to the ocean. What is the connection to the ocean? When, when, yes, when... because they live in Los Angeles in the, in the girl. And the, Put, the birds. Yeah, very <laughs> very vague. Oh, I guess in the birds. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Molly from 2019. Molly suggested from 2019 The Assistant with Julia Garner. Uh, that sounds kind of I don't. What is the assistant? That is the assistant is the film that is all about a Hollywood assistant who goes to work for a pervy movie producer that is basically the Harvey Weinstein story, but not the Harvey Weinstein story. I see. Um, and it's it's yeah, it focuses more on her. My understanding is you never actually see the producer's face. You okay. see him from behind, and it's all done from the perspective of the assistant um, played by Julia Garner in a highly acclaimed performance. I was really happy this got suggested. It was on my short list. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to pick it, but I think it's, I think it's a natural connection. Um, Molly also recommends working girl, which is another movie about workplace harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Melanie Griffin starring that in that is actually Tiffy Hedren's daughter, which I did not realize. Oh, yeah, I didn't know um, that either. I yeah, know. I didn't know that. So uh, the Assistant is on my watch list on Letterboxd, and I have no idea when I – I must. they must have covered it on film spotting. You, added it film during, spotting you probably added it during film spotting, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, and work, I've never seen Working Girl, but um, yeah, Working Girl is supposed to be pretty fun, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. And it's Harrison Ford, which would connect us to... Oh. Uh, More uh, Harrison whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of Harrison Ford in this podcast. Yeah. Love Harrison yeah. Ford. Uh, Kevin Spacey is also in that. Oh. Um, um, all right. about Spacey earlier. Uh, uh, yeah. Who goes first today? Tonight? I'll, go for, I'll go first today. Uh, so I've got a few things written down. I've got two... I've got two films based on obsessive filmmakers, and I think they've both come up before. Okay. Uh, the first one I know I've recommended before, but we haven't picked. So I'm going to pick Chaplin. Okay. And then I'm also going to pick, and this one also is in the same realm as uh, Gods and Monsters, but instead of it involves the director who brings Bella Lugosi out of retirement, and that's Ed Wood. With that was on Pat- my list. Yeah, that was on my yeah. list. Uh, I'm also looking at so Sienna Miller da, did uh, a movie that's been on my watch list for a little while with Bradley Cooper that I've wanted to watch that apparently is based on Anthony Bourdain and it's called Burnt. Oh yeah, that's supposed to be terrible. Well, I don't know anything about it and I've wanted to watch it. Yeah, but I mean, I've heard so, about it. I've just, I think all I know about it is that it's supposed to be really bad. But yeah, so the other obvious connection is if we pick that both, movie, then I'll edit that out. Uh, spoiler yeah. <laughs> alert! If you've heard us talk about Burnt, then uh, we did not pick it. <laughs> yeah. So the other obvious connection is, as I mentioned earlier, this movie was nominated for multiple awards, including primetime Emmys and the Golden Globes. It lost in the TV miniseries or movie category to the movie Game Changer. Mm-hmm. Game Changer. Uh, Game yeah, Changer. it's Game Changer. Is it Game Changer or Game Changer? Game Changer. Game Changer. So Toby Jones lost to Ed Harris as John McCain. Sienna Miller lost to Julianne Moore as Sarah Palin. I thought it was only fitting to throw in Game Change. It is election season. It is election season. The um, other spookiest season. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe spookier. Uh Look at you! Two movies that were on my uh, two movies that were on my list. Oh shit! So, Ed Wood and okay. Game Changer both on your list? They were, uh, but that's okay because I had like ten movies on my list. Uh, <laughs> so one movie that we both had on our list, and I think the only reason why we're not picking it is because it does not come out this weekend. Uh, we talked yes. about this beforehand. Is you yeah. said to me, I have a great idea. I think we should do Mank, and I said, Yeah, Mank's on my list too. Uh, so Mank is uh, coming out in theaters this weekend, but not on Netflix right. this weekend. Yeah, so I think we got to wait a couple more weeks for Mank. But, so um, Mank is about one of the writers of Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, I believe, is it David Fincher that directed Mank? It is Fincher. It is yeah. the Fincher, yeah. So there's I actually, you know, talk about David Fincher being a, um, you know, not not as obsessive as, as Alfred Hitchcock, but definitely having his own uh, mm-hmm. quirks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh. All you got to do is watch Mindhunter and you know that he's got some obsessive shit yeah. going on. So uh, Mank is like a, an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mank is supposed to be very good. Everybody's saying it's great. Maybe we'll get to cover sure. it on this podcast, but uh, yeah. everybody should watch it. When it it it'll at least be in our what we've been watching if we if we haven't. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do a bonus pod. I don't know. Um, all right. So I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six <laughs> on my list. Uh, so yes. after those three. Um so let's see. I have a couple that are about obsession. Um, one that I'm not going to do because I just don't think we want to do any more Hitchcock, especially after this. But I did think yeah. that as an honorable mention, I will mention Spellbound, given the fact that uh, – so it's not on my list. Um, but sp- the fact that the book was called Spellbound, I think that, that could be a connection. Uh, but I think after this, I think we're good to close the door on Hitchcock for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So um, another HBO movie that is about an election – Although mm-hmm. it's supposed to be an election. Uh, so I did write down Recount, um, which is the movie about the 2000 Florida 
um, election. I don't know if that's yeah. a really great connection besides being an HBO movie, so maybe I should just ignore that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, recount's supposed to be good. I would be curious. Maybe if we do game change, we would do recount as well. Yeah. Uh, so I have four movies now, and all four are about obsession. So perfect. Nice. Uh, I will try to do these in chronological order from when they came out. Okay. I'm, this is just from my memory, so I'm not sure. Uh, so the first is Fatal Attraction. Nice. Um, the second is Single White Female. That has come up before as well. Uh, the third is Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts. And the fourth is uh, one of my uh, favorites from when I was younger, Fear with Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon. We're going to be together forever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of those four would be very fun to watch after we just watched a movie about obsession, but uh, at least those are like not uh, real life stories. So fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Fictional. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. That's All amazing. right. So I get to go first. Um, we'll pick one listener, one host Absolutely. suggestion like we've been doing. Uh, so I think I want to do Working Girl. I've never seen Working Girl before. Okay. Uh, it's got a lot of connections. It's got the word girl in the title. Workplace sexual harassment. Melanie Griffin. Griffith. Who's Tippy Hedren's daughter? So, um, yeah, I will go. Work yeah, I'm going to take Owen's second. Owen gets another suggestion two weeks in a row from me, but I think it's a really great suggestion. I've never seen Gods and Monsters. My understanding is very good. Uh, Ian McKellen, Brendan Fraser, I believe, is co-stars. Mm. I would love to get more Brendan in on this podcast. Oh man! So I'm gonna go Gods and Monsters. All right. Um. I am going to go uh, Ed Wood because it was on my list originally. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I would have picked Game Change, but HBO movies, come on. We're, we're, we're doing real movies here. We're not doing HBO movies. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But I thought it was a natural connection. Um, mm-hmm. And from your movies, I would probably go with the one that I don't think I've ever actually seen, but I've only seen parts of. And that would be Fatal Attraction. Uh, so is Fatal Attraction the one where – no, that's Basic Instinct. I always confuse Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct. Yeah, Fatal Attraction is the Michael Douglas and um, – who is it, Glenn Close? Yeah, I think it is Glenn yeah. Close. All right. Well, they have an affair, and, they have an affair and she becomes obsessed with him. Right, because um, there's also Basic Instinct, which mm-hmm. – uh, I always confuse Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct. Yeah. Spoiler, if we end up picking Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct will probably be on my list next week. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So Fatal Attraction is on Amazon Prime. And Ed Wood, I believe, is on Netflix. I think I just saw it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen oh any of the four of these, actually, which is – that's nice. Um, that's nice. Yeah. So uh, Ed Wood, not streaming anywhere. You have to rent it. Okay. Um, and let's see. Uh, Gods and Monsters – Probably not. Yeah. Um, that's from 1998, and that is also on Amazon Prime. Ooh. Gods and Monsters. Um, so that one's about. I feel like Ed Wood and Gods and Monsters are very similar, right? Yeah, they feel like, very. They feel like two sides of the same coin. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Working Girl is as it loads up. Um, oh my God, the, the cover art for Working Girl is so 80s. Also on Amazon <laughs> Prime and on Hulu. Um, nice. So I wonder if that means it's on like stars or something. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any preference? Do you have any lean for where we go with these? So I would say that I would my, my top two would be the two that I haven't seen, which would be Gods and Monsters and Fatal Attraction. But those are also the two I picked. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would like for you to see Working Girl. It's very fun. It's very light um, for for a movie about sexual harassment in the 80s 
it's a really well-made movie. It has a banging cast, a bang-out cast. Uh, yeah, I am looking at the cast like, right now. All right, well, yeah, we're doing um, Working Girl next week. Yeah, let's do Working Girl. I think it would be really fun. I think our listeners would appreciate it, especially after some heavy Hitchcock the last few weeks. Um, yeah, I think we would have a really good time. It's also got a really great soundtrack, so you'll have you'll hear a great song coming up in a couple of minutes. Oh, good. What song? Um, or you tell me after. Don't spoil it. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after, because I can't think of it in the moment, but it has a really great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So, right, yeah, cool. Um, uh, there we let's see. Working Girl is on the watch list of a whole bunch of people that I'm friends with on Letterboxd. So. Awesome. Let's do Working Girl. It's, it's on Ob's watch list. Uh, maybe we can get Ob back for another podcast. I think it can, I think Working Girl has come up before, but I don't remember how. Um, it is not on the it is not on the watch list for the movie letter. Oh, uh, really? Huh. No. Interesting. So it might have come up as an honorable mention, but it is not. Come oh, up it as probably came up as an honorable mention from our Harrison Ford podcast with uh, one of the five Harrison Ford podcasts that we've done. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think Harrison. I think Harrison Ford has overtaken Tom Cruise now in terms of uh, love on this podcast. I You're mean, very welcome, Witness. Witness, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I feel like he was in another movie that we just that we've also covered on this, but I'm blanking on it. What else was he in? Um, oh, Apocalypse Now as well. He was in that. <laughs> I already thought of a really great connection for Working Girl. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is okay. it? Uh, is it? Yeah. Uh, Empire Strikes Back? No, it's not The Empire Strikes Back, although that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad that we can get something a little Tune bit in fun. Next week. Uh, my, that was my concern with Gods and Monsters and Fatal Attractions. Yeah, Both yeah. they are a little serious. So. But I, I highly recommend people watch Ed Wood if they've never seen it. It's really, really good. Johnny, One of the actual really good Johnny Depp-Tim Burton collaborations. I mean, it got them both Oscar nominations. It's... It's just a really well-made movie about a down-on-his-luck B-movie filmmaker um, mm-hmm. who has a really odd personality, as most Johnny Depp characters do. Um, and it's also in black and white, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah. I, I really like that movie. Um, yeah, I uh, I have Ed Wood on my list to see. I, I was mm. close to watching it recently when I finished um, Adaptation. I was looking okay. at movies about movie making, and I thought about Ed Wood. Then I was like, well, I'll suggest it on this podcast instead. And then you took my suggestion. So Fair enough. Uh, that is a point for the listeners. Molly with another uh, another assist Nailed to it. us for Working Girl. So, uh, Molly, if you want to send in a voicemail, do that. All the rest of the listeners, if you want to send in your feedback and connections off of Working Girl, do that by emailing us, themovieladder at gmail.com. You also can tweet us at laddermovie. Or uh, follow us on Letterboxd at Ladder Movie as well. Um, check out the ladder, the Letterboxd watch list if you are looking for other movie suggestions, because every movie that's suggested in this podcast gets added to that watch list, which is growing every week. So, um, all right, Brandon, what are you planning to watch this week? So I wanted to take a minute to acknowledge the passing of Alex Trebek, and I'm really glad when you said we were going to be recording late that we're actually going to finish up in time for me to call my mom for Final Jeopardy, like we do almost every night when both of us are available. Um, So they have filmed enough Jeopardy to last through Christmas Day, December 25th. Um, I'm really bittersweet about it, um, but I'm going to try my best not to miss a single episode. Um, Mm. Jeopardy really means a lot to me and my family. Um, It's been a family tradition since I was a kid. I still call my mom as often as I can for, to talk about Final Jeopardy and try to guess the answer. Um, Alex Trebek will be greatly missed, I know, in my household. Um, so really, really going to cherish every last 
episode of Jeopardy that we have coming up in the next two months. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's see. What am I going to be watching this week? Um, I'm thinking of ending things, I think, is maybe up tonight, depending on how quickly I can get this podcast uh, edited mm. and posted. Um, less CNN than I watched last week, hopefully, unless yeah, hopefully shit continues to, <laughs> to hit the fan. Um, and, yeah, my, my personal ladder is uh, I've been actually able to get some movies on my personal ladder this week, so that's been nice. nice. Um, catching up on some shows as well. Maybe I'll finish Lovecraft Country one of these weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, still way behind on that. Uh, last, the last episode of Fargo was very good too. If you're watching this season of Fargo, my brother and I podcasted about yeah, it last night. Um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, very good. I, I won't say much about the episode, obviously, but um, I am still questioning where this season is going. But I did like this <laughs> last episode. Um, so yeah, naturally. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So yeah, next week we're gonna be talking about Working Girl. It looks like it's streaming in a couple places. Um, so it should be easily to find unless Letterbox is leading me astray. So it's on oh. Amazon Prime. It's also on Hulu. Uh, stars Bonnie Griffith, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, among others, and uh, oh, lots of lots of veterans to the Movie Ladder podcast. It looks like in this uh, cast list. Just checking it out. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. And uh, directed by Mike Nichols as well. So Mike Nichols has done some good stuff. There could be lots of good connections off of uh, mm-hmm. off of next week's podcast. So it's going to be fun. So. All right. Uh, join us next week when we're going to talk about uh, Working Girl. And thanks for joining us this week. Hopefully you're willing to check out The Girl and learn a little something about Alfred Hitchcock. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. We forgot to do our plugs, but... Oh. Oh, well. Plug yourself. No, I'm good. No, plug yourself. Brendan, where can people find uh, you? You can find me at Fitzy Brendan on Twitter or at BrendFids11 on Letterboxd. Uh, look forward to hearing you guys about Working Girl. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow me at BrooksZA on all platforms. You also can follow the podcast itself, Podcast Proper, at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd and Twitter. And don't forget to get those emails in and your suggestions for next week off of Working Girl. All right, now we will see you later.